So to open up, look at some questions this evening. What is energy? Mm. Energy is bound up with experience. Uh, look at it very a kind of a human level. So if we can recognize that our, our bodies have the ability to move <laughs> something, as energy passes through them to get them moving. Mm. Uh, so it's different from sensation, isn't it? Sensation is just something that happens, something touches, but the ability to move, uh, that's body has an energy. So that's an obvious form. Mm. And notice also, if we think, we can think fast or slow. Sometimes the thoughts tumble. We speak, we can speak very hastily, or we can speak slowly. We can have some way of moderating the energy of our speech. And we might notice our, our impulses sudden to spurt, rush, they get impulsive, or sometimes they kind of hover, we can't decide what to do, the energy drifts around, or sometimes it, it seems to be not enough, we just can't get anything really lively going. Our experiences are bound up with this factor, this energy stuff. <laughs> uh, and we incline towards a, an agreeable level of energy. That's what we favour is a nicely bright, alive, comfortable, energy settled, balanced. We're not, you know, overwhelmed. We're not stagnant. Um, so we, we incline towards that. Mm. But naturally you can turn up the energy, go for a run. You've got to put more energy into it. Yeah. So this is just about the energy of, of associated with getting things moving. Mm. But also that's something we have some a little bit of control over. Yeah. Yeah, but, then, but you also have other levels of energy which we have less control over. Obviously we're breathing in and out. That happens whether we're awake or asleep. We have some control over it. We could deliberately stop breathing or speed it up. But again, the inclination is to get um, somewhere comfortable with that. Mm. This is all aspects of energy. And if we um, become a bit more sensitive, we can notice uh, not just the uh, emotional flavour where we feel sad or joyful. Those are, you could say, the flavour, the emotional colour. You know, sad or joyful, but also we might notice a sense of being flushed, like joy flushes, or sadness flushes us, and you can easily feel it in your body. You know, so the joy flushes up to the face. You know, so we can sense this something like an emotion is not just uh, immaterial; it's so uh, it's not physical either. So this is called the intermediate between the apparent level of physical reality you know, and the level we call completely immaterial, just ideas and thoughts. Mm. That's the way that we mostly see things. A thought is immaterial, body is material. Rocks are solid, material, thoughts are immaterial. But as has been increasingly discovered over the research in 
Um, actually, the material world is just an energy form, consolidated, dense energy form. If you go into physics, understanding of physics, atoms, molecules, particles, electrons, it's all stuff. You know, on a very micro level of existence, actually, materiality is really just energy. Mm. You know, they can't find anything solid. Everything is just moving. Yeah. Everything is, but of course, at a micro level, it gives the appearance, the experience with the solidity, but it's actually energy forms. Mm. And so, actually, for example, the body operates independently of us, of our the ideas and the wishes, our deliberate choices. You know, it processes things. It takes energy to process food, for example. You don't decide to do it, it just does it. It takes energy to heal a body. If you're sick, the body has to, you know, you have to slow down your actions because the body's using energy to rebuild tissues or flush toxins. So, so the body does things autonomously. Mm. And similarly, certainly emotional conditions, emotional conditions will have effect on our vitality. So, for example, we feel happy and joyful, we feel kind of plenty of zing and life, feel sad and depressed, we just can't get out of bed in the morning, <laughs> just feel so heavy. So these are emotional energies, and we say these internal body energies correspond right, to the point when you lose vitality. Mm. So this is something you have less say over. If you feel depressed, your body energy sinks. If you're happy, your body energy rises. In fact, the two are the same thing. So the energy has to move. It's a moving experience, isn't it? It moves around. And when it can't move, we feel tense. So tension is a lot of energy, no ability for it to fully move through. So we get tense. Tension is frozen energy. Um, often it could be to do with rage, for example, you just feel really angry. But as tension builds up, we can't, it's not suitable, we don't have a way to release that. So it's, it's tension. Another one is contraction, which is slightly different from tension. Contraction is a kind of closure. Seems similar, but it's to do with fear. Mm-hmm. So tightened up, fear of getting it wrong, fear of what other people think, fear I might be doing something that's not allowed. So there's a contraction, energy contracts. Yeah. So actually in terms of energy management, we also recognise that these energies, um, which may be associated with certain emotions, the emotion may be triggered by a uh, situation around us, or a loud noise, or people's ill will, or something like that. So yeah, they've gone out of the room, they're fine, it's finished. Emotion, but actually what's happened is the energy of the emotion has kind of embedded itself in the body, <laughs> right? Because these emotions and the body, on the subtle level of the body, operate through the same channels. And they have to finish, they have to release. So, you know, so 
For example, if we are you know, fearful, you feel fearful, nervous, frightened, and then, okay, everything's okay, and, and wrestling and wrestling around, and, uh, <laughs> or I feel annoyed, you know, and then it's gone. Yeah. Now, if it can't do that, if it doesn't shake itself out, then it, the body hasn't released it, so it sort of stays stuck. Yeah. And this means we build up a, a certain pattern in the inner body, you know, tension or contraction. We mm. lose some vitality. And as we lose vitality, we lose this receptivity because some of the body's energies are no longer available. You know. Energy sort of transfers signals into the, to the body. So, for example, you see someone you like, you know, and the emotion comes up, and the signal rushes through the body, open up. Here's somebody you're fond of, so you open up, right? So then that's the signal. Now, if that signaling system is somehow jammed because of fear, nervousness, embarrassment, or something or the other that hinders it, then we feel like to see them. I can't quite express it. You know, the system sort of isn't able to be fully open. You know, we feel nervous or embarrassed or something like that. So you get these strange things. And you now, why this is a topic? Because actually, in our daily life, we're often moving through scenarios, environments where there's a lot of stimulation of various kinds. You know, you know, that. Uh, Maybe abrupt, or like bright lights, shining traffic, noises, crashing, uh, people rushing around. That's actually quite stimulating, triggering. Mm. Uh, uh, and so this can be a sense of all this, the body kind of receives this and feels quite, all its signals, signaling sort of where am I, chaos, what's that. And you sort of you get this very confused energy system, and then the mind becomes chaotic. You know, or, or closes down, or just put some stimulant or something on top of it to drink or something to just shut it all down <laughs> because it's so jumbled and chaotic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you know, then we may have this experience. What's wrong with me? Well, nothing wrong with you particularly. It's just your energy system has been over stimulated by chaotic stuff, so it feels like that, and your emotions that come from that are confused or deluded or feeling inadequate or need something to do. You know, we just don't feel settled in ourselves. And this is very common for human beings. You know? mm. So this is why, in a way, we do bhavana, cultivation, and embodiment. Just giving the body a chance to sense the safe, ground beneath, steady, space around, Take some breathing, whole body. So the body's encouraged to get the sense of around it, no intrusive signals, and then whatever's being felt can express itself, and we can be there with that and let it move through. And then so it returns to balance. And this is um, why we cultivate you know, that level. You know, for example, I mean, where I live, we have people ride horses. Massive creature. I have to be quite careful. I walk 
along because the horse sees the road flapping and it feels frightened. I mean, it's a big horse. It's because something unusual is flapping. Or if you're driving a car, you have to stop the car to let the walk because the horse gets frightened of, of this loud noise or this machine or something. Yeah, well, actually, the horse is right. <laughs> That's a deadly machine. <laughs> so, you know, their bodies just pick up those sensations and energies because you know, they don't have thinking to tell them everything's okay. Animals, they don't think in the way we do in it anyway, but they do pick up energies. And if you're with an animal and you, you know, in a sense of particularly, you know, I don't know, mammals, extending warm, comfortable feeling, you can see they, they pick it up. And they pick up your energies, you move slowly and carefully and respectfully, and they, you see, they, they pick it up. So there's signaling happening from body to body. And this is, you know, through energy. The body itself has an energy moving through it, as I've suggested, that's organizing the limbs and the organism and the metabolism and the breath rate and the heartbeat. You know, doing all this organizing, switch that down, turn that up, get that balance, it's aiming for balance. And this energy is moving around within the body and it also comes out the body because the skin is permeable, of course. So we have energy fields around the body, which extend around the body for some distance. And it's not just us. All living matter, it does that, even a leaf. They can detect the energy, you know, the energy fields around a leaf. You know, anything that's alive has energy in it, has its energy fields coming out of it. So we can't consciously control this with our thinking mind, but as you get more familiar with it, you can actually begin to sense and reading whether the body feels balanced internally or heavy. You know, so they just sort of keep coming back to the whole body form and the breathing, and the body will by itself begin to balance itself out. And when it does, the emotional tone is comfortable. Yeah. And the clarification that gives rise to an experience called piti, which is joy or rapture in Buddhism and it's understood to be the beginning of samadhi so samadhi begins with a quality of joy you know, like rapture things feel kind of bright so the energy is coming through properly, no obstructions no dullness no raging and therefore the energy is nicely steady, you get piti and as you sense that it turns it quiets down into something called sukha, ease, piti sukha. And the heart, chitta, when it picks that up, its own heart energy tunes into that and we get a sense of unification and samadhi. So that's a sort of sketch um, of what, what I'm talking about. This is different from the word virya, which means energy has to do with how we apply ourselves. You know, virya, which means you've got energy, you do things vigorously, or more like perseverance, you really stay with something, you put 
steady energy into what you're doing. It doesn't mean force, it means a steady keeping in touch, virya, sort of perseverance. Sometimes talk about active energy and receptive energy. So this is also important to, to recognize because we tend to think of energy as very much the doing, you know, speaking, uh, acting, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's true, but it's also, energy is also receptive. It means it's it, <laughs> it. The fields of energy, the fields of energy can open. Uh, now, if you, if you begin to follow through what I'm talking about, start making sense to you. you know, so this energy, this quality is a sort of suffusive medium yeah, that we experience beneath our, you know, or within this body, within this heart, even within the thought. And it's not sensations of local, you know, suddenly you touch a particular thing. Energy is more global. So it's a field, a field like a, well, like the energy field of a magnet, right? Magnets have energy fields, so we have the same sort of thing. Mm. So, now that energy field receives impressions and it causes it to open, to receive it, and be affected by it. Otherwise, we'd be pretty um, sealed off and stupid. And... uh, if you're really, like, really dull and tired, you can't, oh, sorry, I can't listen right now, I'm too tired. What's wrong with your ears? Nothing wrong with my ears. <laughs> you know, I just don't have enough energy to take it in. You see what I mean? <laughs> because the, the, the field isn't really, have enough receptive energy to, to open and take something in. So again, to to put pragmatic point around that, if our lifestyle is or our environment is too much about or of impact happening, the energy begins to close down to just try to cut out the chaos, and there's a lot of drive to make things happen. Then the energy form loses its receptivity because it's closed. And so to be receptive has to be open and softened. Now, in a busy city, that's not likely to be the case. (laughs) And we might notice that in highly dense uh, situations, people are not very receptive. They're in their heads thinking about something other. You can be ignoring a thousand people a day, just getting by. And, uh, you know, so this as unfortunate social effects, a lack of empathy, lack of fellowship, a feeling of loneliness that occurs, which is part of uh, urban life, strange enough. You know, when you're with three people, do you understand you don't feel lonely? On your own, if you understand, you don't feel lonely. With a million people, you feel lonely. <laughs> Because the fields closed down, it's too much. 
And as I said, these uh, these fields begin to be almost locked in to that. You've got to take some time to keep massaging them, coming out through these some of these practices we've been encouraging. Okay, so I've dwelt on that quite a bit. Partly because I guess um, you know, often meditation can be about tracking sensations. And as far as I can see, this isn't actually an instruction that the Buddha ever gave. I mean, clearly, if something's really painful, but you don't deliberately focus on sensations. This is focus on the entire body. Uh, so when you talk of the entire body, because sensation is always local, my toe, my thigh, my head, right? So local, your attention is then, like, quite narrow. Go to whole body, attention is wide. Because when you're covering the whole body, you can't focus on any, any one sensation in particular, right? Because your whole thing, just like if I'm focusing on everything in the room, the entire field of the room, I can't see anybody's face. I just see this kind of blur. Uh, so in terms of your body, you may not notice all the sensations, what you notice is the overall tone of the body, whether it feels bright or unbalanced or resistant or, or what's happening. So you basically, you, once you, you know, move past sensation, you come into the energy field of the body. So if then if we're training ourselves to contemplate breathing in and out and we follow the energy, you know, through the whole body, then that quality of, of breathing will actually help to clean, uplift, brighten, balance this internal body, this energy field of the body. Focus on sensations won't. Right? So if we're looking at something like the Buddha talks about, you know, sensing the fullness of the breathing, it's long and when it quiets down it becomes subtle, and then the entire body, thoroughly feeling the entire body, then soothing, calming, thoroughly experiencing the bodily energy, kaya sankara, then soothing the body energy, calming it. So we're not doing that as an act of thought. Your breathing is suffusing that and just steadying it. And that's how he explains his movement through mindfulness of breathing. Oh. While we're doing that, let's uh, refer to something similar. This person uh, talks about shakes. They get the experience of involuntary shaking. This is um, not unusual. So what can happen, suddenly the body seems to jump or shudder. Um, so the person is experiencing this when they meditation and some people say oh it's just normal and maybe it's discharging energy releasing and discharging energy so this can go on for quite a while this person's been experiencing it for many years um, and they comment that if they're focusing on the skin so from if you like from the outside you know the sense of the boundary and then sensing that that helps the shaking begin to dissolve. 
I think this is an interesting point, interesting comment. It's often the case that when we talk about like meditation, you know, or even qigong, we go very much internal, 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 right in there. I assume that that's kind of where it is, but the Buddha says internal, external, and then both together. So it's not just internal, it's not just external, it's both together. And most of us have to go internal, certainly to balance, because our lives can be very externalized, you know, dealing with stuff out there. So internal, but also just to recognize the idea is that the internal and the external come together. Now, if we take this reference internal and external to refer to you know, the, the external body, which is this body that is touched by sensations that's happening from outside, and the internal to be the internal energies of the body. Right? So it seems to be one way of explaining it. That's the way I use it. Um, so what is it that helps the internal qualities to, to move to the external? Together, together. Well, there's a boundary called the skin. Right? So that skin boundary is quite very sensitive boundary, actually. Because this really is the gate. You know, this is touching me. Very sensitive boundary. You know? So that boundary can uh, kind of move through that gate quite carefully. Not just to be completely internal, not to be external, to move through the gate, through this skin gate, (laughs) which is permeable. And the Buddha, when he talked about um, cultivating these um, samadhi experiences, he says, well, there's not one part of one's body, not one pore of the skin that's not pervaded with this quality of piti sukha. So it's definitely streaming out through the skin. And we have to make sure we keep the skin in mind. And you can go both ways, from the external in through the skin and from the internal out through the skin. So you kind of really move through that subtle gate backwards and forwards, just sensing. And that helps the energy... Whatever needs to move through it, it can move through. We're not pushing anything out, but if something can't discharge, maybe we should open those gates and let it move through. And how does it know those gates are open? Because we actually you know, deliberately sense the energy at the level of the skin, and we've begun to send some signals into the skin of, you're loose, it's fine, you're out here, you know, warm, friendly, and... So moving, sending those signals into the skin boundary, move from the outside in, the inside out, then the energy can find a way to release. As I said, energy streams out through the skin and can be detected in fields around the body. And, you know, we need to make sure that boundary is uh, properly maintained so that uh, the energy can find its full expression. It's not purely in the body, it extends beyond the body. Um, so we might, if we do it very carefully, come from the skin and you know, into the sense of there being flesh underneath it, the muscles, the fascia, 
and you can kind of sense yourself back, you can feel the bones and even get a sense of the soft viscera and the spaces. So moving in and then moving out. So that can help if your energies need some encouragement and cultivation in that way. So let's move on. Somebody's experiencing something about aggression. Tuning into my body, I find tension from unreleased aggression and images appear. Usually, I let them play out, but it's not always nice images. What do you suggest? Well, what would be a nice image of aggression? <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> um, well, there you are. You see, the person seems to recognize the tension is about aggression or un unreleased anger, which is a powering up, right? and that seeks resolution. Remember, all. Energy seeks to find balance, emotions seek to find resolution, body seeks to find balance, everything has to find balance. And you can't balance it by just shutting it down, closing it, it doesn't allow it to find balance. So it has to move through. Now in that moving through, we might move from, you know, beginning with something that really annoyed me, topic, or we might just feel this hardness. So it can come from either, you know, a memory of something, or just a physical thing or you could even be exploring the physical thing and then these memories come up the images come or just either memories come up or just really like almost fantasy images you know like you know raging demons or something like that tibetan buddhism is full of it it's they certainly make no bones about it <laughs> a lot of rage around there um but the image level although it's a uh, it's a stage Mm -hmm. It's a stage now from the heart's point of view, uh, emotion, and then we get something, the imaging level of the heart, which is almost like a dream quality, the dream quality, the imaging, uh, which is part of what jitta has. Uh, so this is, this is when you're getting more to the primary depths, we can Im images of darkness, or fieriness, yeah, something like that. Then it has to move on from that. So don't get frightened of the images or embarrassed by them or fascinated by them. The images have to dissolve. The image level of the heart is one level, one sense of expression that has to come out. Just keep opening because the nature of tension needs opening and it needs movement. So you can even gently slightly move your body around, maybe just even just like opening your chest a little bit. And it's very intuitive as to what feels like it would you know, benefit from being a bit loosened. And keep your, your attention wide. And then these images may pass, arise. Don't look straight at them, uh, but instead just, uh, you know, sort of keep some space around it so they 
can be expressed, but you don't don't look straight at it, don't get interested in it, because if you do, it, it can easily just inflame. That is, the thing becomes inflamed, it heats up. What you give attention to tends to magnify. You don't want to magnify it. Uh, you want to find the space around it that allows it to move through. So a certain dispassion and coolness, even you could say respect, like a tiger. <laughs> Don't look him in the eye. Just <laughs> Sometimes a person experiences dropping out of identification with a thinking mind in an open, clear, spacious presence. It mostly lasts only half a second before I contract again and pull back into self-identification. Mm. How to make this spaciousness, this clear spacious presence, how to make it longer or more permanent? Mm. Um, yeah, well, persevere. If... Uh, we go more to the feeling experience, the felt sense of relief. What does the movement into open, clear, spacious presence feel like? Open, clear, spacious presence. So perhaps that's even visual or, or a way of defining. What does it feel like? Uh, imagine it could feel like relief. Or, I don't know. What does it feel like? So follow the feeling because the heart will bond to the feeling, not to the interpretation. And the feeling, that's what the heart connects to and it lingers in that feeling. So learning to linger in the, if you get the sense of you know, something's dropping, then how that feels. And then allowing that feeling allowing that feeling and so this to use the word allowing is something one should use very frequently uh, because it's both trusting and spacious but also it's with it you know allow yourself to be taken allow yourself to be touched allow yourself to drop into that so there has to be felt and felt through the heart. Person says, well, meditation and attentive awareness, doesn't that stimulate or arouse? Don't they by themselves sometimes arouse um, supportive activity, an activation, supportive activation of the heart and the spirit? So it seems that the sense of just the mindful awareness kind of activates the heart, the spirit, in a positive way. Um, not by doing anything, just by the fact of willing, open presence. So the person finds this is sometimes a bit of a strain, a bit tiring, <laughs> because this sense of presence is always kind of holding and uh, it feels like I'm in the grip of it. Mm -hmm. It's good to keep widening your awareness. That reduces the intensity. 
widen your awareness, soften the impact. So it's a little bit distance, a softer impact. So, so if you're widening, slightly withdrawing. So almost emotionally slightly withdrawing. Like it's just a little bit further away. That helps things to cool. You can, of course, keep your eyes open. That creates more space. Uh, if things seem to be getting too intense, then refer to the external. So you can just sit with your eyes open, looking at space, letting the energies then will tend to move out. Mm. We'll change the focus. Questions on practice in daily life. What keeps you motivated? What nourishes the motivation of the daily practice on your own? Another one, perhaps I'll link these two together. A sense of offering. Say I've mentioned offering, gestures of offering in my daily life. And they ask me specific examples of that. Well, I find offering does keep the motivation. Because it's a nice gesture, this heart energy of offering. Um, It's just a very, uh, to me it's a very lovely movement of, of heart energy. So the way I would do that, for example, in, in my life would be, so for example, I might light a stick of incense and then touch the forehead, just crystallize a thought, may this be for the welfare of other beings, may this help to generate or support the field of goodness in the world, uh, or sometimes may I call upon the forces of goodness to support So there's a bit of a dialogue there. And I might begin the day like that, you know. Ask the forces of goodness or beauty or courage to be present and try to offer what I can into that psycho realm Uh, and recognising this this is a huge dimension of thousands of years and millions of people. And so what I do today, could that be one tiny little offering into that? So that's the kind of puja aspect of it. And I might do that a couple of, two or three times a day. Maybe sometimes momentary, fairly momentary, just pause. What are we doing here? Offering. That helps to keep a sense of ongoing purpose to what I'm doing. That helps to support practice, or what we call overall practice. And this offering could be to bring honesty into the world, bring patience, bring perseverance, bring compassion, and restrain my irritability, you know, be less of a nuisance. <laughs> That's my offering to be. You know, <laughs> be more easy to get on with. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, making it manageable, of course. You know. So then so I've got some things that give me a sense of what I'm trying to shape into today. And so clearly most of my life is about offering because I teach as an offering, I write as an offering, I listen to people, I give advice, I work in the monastery and it's all... 
because that's what keeps me alive, I think, in some respect. The energy can be moving out, turning around. Yeah. You're in what you're in. Some other themes that can help our practice, um, because it can get stale, uh, certain reflections that help to turn the mind around from just the circumstances. First of all, we recollect mortality. Every day is one day less, and this death is inevitable, and before death there's often degeneration, sickness, inabilities, losing sense faculties. So while you've still got some, <laughs> don't just squander it. You know? So, you know, don't just spend your time distracting, because that's certainly highly possible. So that's a thought, that's a you know, reminder. While you can still hold your body together, here it is, you know, make use of this. Another reflection is karma. That is, whatever I do, whatever I act upon, whatever, wherever my mind goes, there's a result to that. So just, just be careful about at least where the main themes of my mind are going. And so let's maintain careful attention. Yes, where is it going now? Let's be honest about that. Where's that going? Let's see, just keeping it in line with ethics and in line with kindness as we can. Because everything has a result for myself and for the people around me. So that's a helpful reflection. And the Buddha is a wonderful reflection. Says there's plenty of wonderful things you could experience while you have this precious human birth. Yeah? Precious human birth. Animals not going to be able to get it. Um, you have wonderful possibilities for things like joy, rapture, samadhi, discernment, you know, and clarity and insight and deep levels of the mind. It's time to stop playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> Or just lessen it, you know. Because <laughs> we, we can waste a lot of time. You know, so the image of the Buddha saying, come on, you know, out of compassion for your welfare, you know, you can, you can bring some good things out, take, take your time doing that. You know, so these are important reflections. And we re reflect also on the primacy of the heart over the senses, our qualities of generosity and Loving-kindness make us comfortably happy and benefit to the world around us, whereas sense-contact, pleasurable, is uh, limiting and can be uh, intoxicating. Somebody asked about the value of renunciation. Renunciation means understanding the sweetness and the hazards of the senses. So a sense of restraint and also turning more towards the qualities of heart. Mm. Mm. So that's an enormous... Um, and, you know, this renunciation, you find your standards with that. It's not hair shirts. It's not everybody's going to live in a stone cell drinking one glass of water a day. But... Um, it could be, you know, it's good to have that word in mind when you walk into the supermarket. <laughs> Just what I really need, you know. Da, da, da. 
get out the door. And what you can do as a simple thing is, is take the minimum. Then you've seen all these amazing bargains in the supermarket, these wonderful things. Just, just stand outside for five minutes, cool down, and think, what do you really need? The biggest bargain would be not to buy it at all. <laughs> but we have to find your way with that. Because we yeah. And, uh, oh, the last one, I think, was interesting. I think this will take this one, the last one for the evening. Hmm. What should one do with one's talents? I spoke about faith, and this person says, I've always had a sense of my, my destiny, broadly. In other words, this sense of using my talents to serve others. It's good. However, it involves vying or competing for opportunities and leadership roles. So in a sense, in the person wants to bring forth their talents, but there's a bit of elbowing um, over who gets in and who leads things. And in that, unfortunately, the moral compass goes a bit bent. Occasionally lying, especially lying, I lie and tell half-truths. Unfortunately, it's the, it's the sort of standard in my industry. <laughs> well, I think you've, you've probably answered your question in some respects. You don't feel happy about that. Yeah. No. So one should uh, really acknowledge, you know, we have to operate within structures and the economic structures or the institutional structures are not necessarily built around firm ethical principles <laughs> particularly in the um, you know, economic world and so you really mean well but you're in a system that actually it doesn't really run on ethical lines and trying to find what does leadership mean what do you or do you want to be leading? Do you want to be leading, I don't know, the business, or you want to be leading ethics? I would suggest you've got to make those choices and steer towards stronger sense of ethics. And even, you know, if this means your status in that industry dips, well, uh, you know, what can we do? We offer our talents, but it's actually, no matter how talented you are, um, <laughs> you don't have enough to cover everything. You can only do a certain amount. You know? So you can only cover and benefit a certain small proportion of human beings. You know? It's always going to be only a small proportion. So try to get not the, the quantity, but the quality. Focus on the quality. That would be my advice for you to consider and reflect upon.